back in 2020 when we began Mavericks and Misfits. Um, we really didn't have a, a clear understanding. I say we, it was me. <laughs> Let me just give you some context for how Mavericks and Misfits became a podcast. Um, I was battling cancer and had come through the treatments. My body was healing up, but I was outside of pulpit ministry um, for months and months, um, just getting really a refreshing sabbatical. But I was getting a lot of just revelation. God was speaking. Um, I wasn't in a busy season, obviously not doing ministry like I had been for the previous 20 plus years. And so I was hearing the Lord, but I had no outlet for it. And, um, I felt prompted by the Lord to, you know, purchase a little equipment and just doing some podcast. And my aim at that time was primarily to focus on the need for Christians and churches to really embrace the word and spirit dynamic. Me coming from a word only background and then as years progressed, entering into the things of the Holy Spirit, I found out that a lot of the people with the Holy Spirit background didn't really value the word a lot. And that's not a critical reflection. It's just, I think it's true. We, we tend to lean towards whoever gets to us first. And so I thought Mavericks and Misfits is a great description, that word Maverick and that word Misfit, a great description of those who in these last days are going to embrace um, fully, without apology, uh, the dynamic of the the authority of the written word and the necessity of the Holy Spirit. And so that was my focus for the first, I don't know, dozens of episodes on Mavericks and Misfits. And then just over time, as audience developed and we got feedback and the Lord just clarified little pathways, it ultimately, Mavericks and Misfits ultimately became just a podcast to for me to kind of give exhortation or instruction or teaching on um, whatever thing the Lord had on my heart, because it th- this is primarily a ministry that communicates and exhorts. And really the goal now is I want you to think deeply about the kingdom. I want you to th- consider deeply your own walk with the Lord. I want to be able to take about 30 minutes a week in these podcasts and just um, kind of pull you out of all the noise and all of the conflicting messaging that goes on in the kingdom. And I'm really about helping individuals in their walk with the Lord. I don't know that I'm the guy that's ever going to lead a big national movement. Probably not. I mean, if the Lord wants that, that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not asking for that. I'm not assuming that. But what I really love, it's kind of what the, the apostle John wrote. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. And so my joy is that I might release what the Lord gives me and that it helps you walk in truth and that um, you would never settle. And if you never settle, you'll never stagnate. People that have stagnated is because they settled. They found a version of Christianity that was working pretty good for them in a certain season. And they said, yeah, this is good. This will work. And they're not open to um, any disruptions in that because they've created an ecosystem in which they can flourish. And I think as we're moving into 2024, um, we need to be prepared at a high level for uh, the shaking. And I know, man, I mean, I just, I get so sick of running out of vocabulary because so much of this bandied about Pentecostal language is just boring, but there is a shaking coming. I mean, the Bible's very clear on that, that the Lord will shake the earth once again until only that which cannot be shaken remains. So that's not rhetoric. That's prophecy, biblical prophecy. So 
you should expect that as we get closer to the end of the age, there's going to be a shaking loose of all things that aren't of God. And that's going to hit our churches. It's going to hit our private lives. It's going to hit um, ministries. It's going to hit governments. It's going to hit cultures. Um, and I do believe we're starting to see that already. It's going to happen in the natural realm, the geological realm, earthquakes, famines, all of that stuff. Um, it's going to happen in the interstellar uh, realm with stars and things in the sky. Uh, sky. I mean, it kind of glossed over, but you remember just about a month and a half, two months ago, a big, dark solar flare tore a hole in the sun. Hello. <laughs> just Google it. Just Google, you know, a hole in the sun. And you'll see these massive images of the sun at a ripped hole from, I'm not scientific enough, but I think it was a massive solar explosion or flare that just ripped up a, a, a chunk of the sun. And, you know, this stuff just is happening right before our eyes. And it's very interesting. I was reminded yesterday, just thinking on the world we're currently living in. And Jesus said, yeah, before the coming of the Son of Man, it's just going to be like in the days of Noah, where right before the flood came, people are just going about their business. They're having weddings, they're eating and drinking, they're doing life and everything. And they're unaware that um, something tremendous is about to shake the world in which they live. And we're, we're living that way. I mean, we've got, you know, massive amounts of news feeds coming into us about horrific things that are happening in the Middle East. You've got, you know, Hamas in Israel. Uh, you've got the coalition of Russia and China. You've got, you better be keeping your eyes on Iran and Turkey. You've got economic things. You've and Listen, I'm, I don't know where you stand politically. It doesn't really matter because I'm looking at the way our nation is being led and the federal government in my opinion, is one of two things. Either one, intentionally trying to undermine this nation, this republic, um, because what they're doing is either intentionally weakening the United States of America as a republic, or number two, and I say this cautiously, but they are so foolish that they don't realize their policies are not merely counterproductive, but potentially destructive if they're not remedied. And so like all of that stuff is connected to a shaking. And so I don't know what you feel about global stuff like that. There are times when I think on those things and I feel a little small and a little helpless in the sense of, man, I would love to be able to do something, but that's not my, that door's not open to me. I can't fix the nation. So what can I do? Well, I can work on my heart. I can work in my family. I can work in the flock that God has given me oversight of at um, Antioch Outpost. I can help my students at Caneo Ministry Training Center. Um, I can help the viewers on Transforming Truth. And I can help Maverick and Misfits podcast listeners. And so that's kind of what I'm doing. And so I keep that big macro view of what's happening in the world around me. It's always with me. I see everything through the context of the end of the age and the coming of the Son of God. I, I don't even want to see it otherwise. Life only makes sense to me when I view it in the light of the coming of Jesus Christ. If I lose that, then I lose my, my, my compass. I lose my, my parameters. But when I stay focused on my confidence that we are living in the back pages of the end of the story, then it, it motivates me. Now, that big world macro view that I've just spent a few minutes talking about, um, I, it has to distill itself down into how then shall we live? 
with all that we know that's going to happen globally, um, with all the biblical prophetic words, the bottom line for me is, okay, Jesus, how do you want me to live? Jesus, how do I respond in my relationship with you to the fact that the world as we know it is going to dramatically, dramatically, immeasurably shift and be changed? Perilous times will come. Um, Exposing is happening. Judgment begins first at the house of the Lord. We're seeing that happen. How then shall I live? Well, you may be surprised, and I'm just going to give you a few verses today that um, are going to be just so within your reach that you may feel like, hey, this isn't even connected to what you've been talking about. It is connected. Because I'm going to tell you one component of how you and I need to be living right now that I believe the Lord is spotlighting and highlighting. Because how we live in this area is a revelation of what the contents of our heart actually are. You know, Paul speaks twice about two potential negative interactions with the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, the Word of God commands us through Paul's writings, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. It's a command. And then in Ephesians 4.30, he speaks of grieving the Holy Spirit. So we've got these two, there's plenty of other injunctions and calls about us pertaining to the Holy Spirit, but I'm I'm seizing on these two. Um, We don't think about this often, but the Holy Spirit is omnipotent God. He is God Almighty. He's the third person of the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so everything that Jesus is, Holy Spirit is. Everything that the Father is, Holy Spirit is. And Holy Spirit is God in you. Uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has a body and he is in a th- on a throne in heaven. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, doesn't actually live in us because he has a glorified body. He is a physical being. But the Spirit of God lives in us. And so that's why people say, you know, ask Jesus in your heart or Christ lives in me. And I, I'm not, I'm fine with that. But theologically precise language says, no, God living in us is God, the spirit. And Paul says, as God, the spirit dwells in every single Christian, you need to know something. He can be grieved. The reason why we know that is because God, the spirit is not a force an impersonal force. He's not just a power surge. He's not a representation of something. God, the spirit is an entity. He is a being. He is a personhood and he lives inside of us. And it actually indicates that he can be grieved. And the word defined from the Greek means he can be angered. He can be saddened. He can be hurt. And what we find there is that Holy Spirit, because he is a personhood, has a personality. And he doesn't like everything that happens in our lives. And there are things that we do, things that we think, things that we say that can grieve him. So uh, when you think about any human relationship you have, you know that there are certain yeses and nos in your human relationships. You know that there are certain things that if you did them, it would break the heart of somebody that you love. And so you choose wisely. I don't want to do those things. I don't want to hurt anybody that I love. And it's much easier in human relationships because that person will usually let you know you have hurt me. Their face will show it. They will respond. They will correct. They may get angry. They may cry. 
But we usually know when we have hurt a person, and so we can modify our behavior. We can correct that. We can stop doing those things that grieve other people. But with the Holy Spirit, it's different because um, we don't see his countenance. You have to spiritually discern whether or not the Holy Spirit is pleased with the way that you are walking in him, walking with him, abiding in Christ, trusting, obeying, submitting. And then when we, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, in essence, we break his heart, but we can repent and we do. We repent. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for convicting me. I know that grieved you. I should not have said that. I should have not have done that. I've sinned. Forgive me and restore me and empower me not to break your heart like that again. Now, there is the reality that some people will continue in a pattern of grieving the Holy Spirit. They harden their heart. They lose their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And whereas the conviction of what they have done or said or thought, um, the conviction piercing melts away. They, they don't feel like what they're doing is wrong anymore. Uh, they make excuses or maybe they just so buy into living in the flesh. They're completely unaware that what they're doing is breaking the heart of the spirit of God who lives within them. And so what happens over time is if you continue to grieve the Holy Spirit, you'll quench the Holy Spirit. And of course, that is, you know, First Thessalonians 19. What does it mean to quench? Well, it's an interesting word. Um, when we see Holy Spirit initially coming at Pentecost, he's represented by a flame. And to quench a flame is to snuff out the power and the light. And so as the Holy Spirit is, is represented by a flame in your life and my life, if we move in a pattern that is continuously grieving the Holy Spirit, what ends up happening is we douse the flame. We, it's not that he leaves us. It is that the light and the heat or power that um, he brings to our lives is quenched. It's snuffed out. It's doused. And I don't think people are completely aware of how easy it is to grieve the Holy Spirit. And if you harden your heart, if you get stubborn, if you make excuses about what he's convicting you about and you continue to grieve him, there will be a sense in which you lose all of his power, all of his anointing, all of his favor, all of his illuminating light in your life. And I would even say that you would lose some protection as you're trying to live your Christian life independently of the power of the spirit. And I think this is happening a lot. And I'm going to just focus for the rest of our time on one way that I believe it's happening. And, um, I'm just going to ask you to consider this. We all know that like unrepented of sin will quench the Holy spirit in our lives. And, you know, people like me, teachers, preachers, podcasters, um, they tend to focus on the big immoral sins that, you know, draw the most scandalous attention. And I get it. Those things are sin and we, we've got to talk about them. But there's a whole lot of respectable sins that the church doesn't talk about. And these respectable sins, what I mean by that is like the church will go off all day on sexual deviancy but barely bat an eye on gossip or complaining or murmuring or backbiting. And this insatiable thirst for controversy and chiming in and, you know, clashing of swords with 
online de- debates and disputes and everybody having to get their opinion across. There's not a whole lot of emphasis on that. And this is my opinion. I don't expect you to have to agree with it, but I'm beginning to get concerned that maybe the respectable sins that don't make the headlines could be a larger part of why the church is operating without power like we could be. Because let's go hard after abortion. Let's go hard after sanctity of life. Let's go hard after biblical definition of marriage. Let's stand our biblical ground on there being two genders as created by God. And no matter how much pseudoscience is behind it, it's never going to change. God has said, therefore, anybody that thinks there's more than two genders by the standard that God himself has set, they are absolutely in error and will always be. And it doesn't matter how it's promoted, how it's taught, how it's educated, how it's reasoned through. It's just lies. And so we're going to continue to, to you know, stand on hills like that. We need to contend for biblical truth. We need to operate in love. And so in this issue of grieving the spirit, what if we're fighting all those major battles, but then we're turning around and grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit by the simple process of not having spiritual maturity and discipline over what comes out of our mouths? I believe this is an issue. I, I want to give you just a couple of verses from the book of Titus chapter number three. So Paul's writing a young kingdom leader named Titus. And he's giving three chapters of instructions to Titus about how to handle and kind of challenge and provoke the Christians in in Crete on the island of Crete. That's where Titus was pastoring. And Paul is saying, hey, you've you've got to kind of get these people in shape. They're spiritually sloppy. And so he gives a lot of instruction. And then when you get to number chapter number three, he hits something in this area of a submissive spirit, a gentle spirit, and a kind kind tongue, a kind speech pattern. He says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. That's Titus 3.1. So he's saying you need to continually remind these Christians that God has ordained human authority that are described there as rulers and authorities and more than likely, he's focusing on civic rule and authority. It would also probably be church rule and authority, um, ecclesiastical, where there's human authority in the church. Um, he says, you need to remind them that God expects them to submit to the powers that have been ordained by God. They are to obey. Um, very quickly here, it's important in our um, culture with the spirit of anarchy reigning that God has designed human authority in every sphere of society. Parental authority in the home. The husband is the authority in the home. And if there's no husband, then the mom um, as the authority in the home. There's authority in the civic government, starting with police officers. And then you've got uh, county leaders or city leaders. And then all the way up to the federal government that God expects us to honor and obey them unless they are calling us or commanding us to sin against heaven. We're actually called to submit to authority. You got to remember when Paul was writing all that he wrote in multiple letters about submitting to authority, Peter did the same. The authority that was ruling over them <laughs> were the Caesars and they were burning Christians alive. So if there was ever an opportunity for, you know, Christians not to have to submit to authority, it would have been then. And yet Paul and Peter equally taught, no, you need to submit to the authorities and they're there 
um, not as a terror unto good works, but as a terror unto evil works, and you need to submit. So the governmental there, there's and then there's church authority. Just very quickly here, it's it's not even new. It's so old, it's boring. But like people are acting like they've got this insight, like oh, we don't need we don't need spiritual authority. There, there's no pastoral authority, no ap- apostolic authority. We don't have to listen to the prophetic word. We don't have to have anybody teachers. We've all got the Holy Spirit, and we're not going to be in any part of an organization that has man doing it. I saw a very foolish post online the other day. Where some Christian posted in 2024, I'm not listening to anybody talking from a platform. I'm going to listen to the body of Christ. You know, and I looked at it and I was just like, it's just immature. I was like, don't you know that people on platforms are part of the body of Christ with assignments from God? The platform doesn't sanctify nor disqualify anybody. It's who is the person and what are they saying? But again, that's just the spirit of rebellion that's going on. And so then the next verse in Titus 3, he says, remind them to be submissive, remind them to be obedient, remind them to be ready for every good work. But this is what I was trying to get to. And he he says in verse 2, it's a continual sentence. So remind them to speak evil of no one. Remind them to avoid quarreling. Remind them to be gentle and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And that lapped off my Bible app to me uh, recently. And I'm thinking with all the wars that we're fighting, with all the mountains that must be brought down, the strongholds, we are losing perhaps some of our power by quenching the Holy Spirit because we refuse to humble uh, ourselves, submit and obey the word of God that says, stop speaking evil of people. You need to avoid these quarrels that are going on. You need to become gentle and in your interactions with others, show perfect courtesy toward them. Friends, the same authority that said, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt have no other gods before me, um, is the same authority that said, stop speaking evil of people, stop gossiping, Stop murmuring, stop complaining, stop backbiting, stop slandering. The little innocent lunch or coffee exchange between two Christian women where they are talking about another Christian woman in a way that is defaming and debilitating, that sin warrants death. You need to hear me on that. That is not an acceptable, respectable sin. It required the death of Jesus Christ in order for that sin not to be attached to you and damn you for eternity. And this issue of quarreling, my goodness, everybody has an opinion on everything. I don't know how much longer I'm going to make it on social media. I very rarely read social media posts. I post usually once a day on my Facebook page, my personal page. You can follow me on Facebook if you don't. Just I think it's just Jeffrey D. Lyle or something like that. Um, and then I post on the Transforming Truth page, and both of those are attached to Instagram. And that's it. I post and run. I, I don't spend hours scrolling, not because I don't think that there's some good stuff out there, but because most of the stuff, to find the good stuff, you got to wade through all of the toxic stuff, which is nothing more than people venting. 
The danger of social media is everybody instantly has a pulpit. Everybody, because there's no accountability, there's no, you know, oversight in the spirit. Everybody has a pulpit to communicate to tens of thousands of people. If you know, their audience is large, just exactly what they're thinking and feeling on everything. The recent scandal with, um, Mike Bickle and IHOP KC, um, because I, I have friends that are deeply connected, uh, to IHOP, um, I had some deep concerns about how this was impacting them. So I followed the story at the beginning until I started seeing the, the venom and Christians spewing venom and hatred. And instead of leaving this issue where it needs to be, which is within that family, and hopefully they'll handle it right. I'm not following it anymore. I have no idea where they are on this thing. But everybody suddenly became the instant voice of authority. And I just thought, oh, Holy Spirit, the dove is grieved and is lifting. He's lifting. And it reminded me of what Jesus said to James and John that time where they wanted to burn up the Samaritans because the Samaritans wouldn't let them pass through. James and John were like, let's just kill them all. They actually said that to Jesus. Jesus, if you'll give us permission, we'll call down fire from heaven and we'll destroy all these horrible Samaritans. And Jesus looked at those two boys and he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. You don't know what spirit you're operating under. And I, I realized that in all of this quarreling, all of these fights, all of this insatiable appetite for controversy and chiming in and having the last word and the loudest word, it's of the flesh. And more than likely, it's demonically fueled. And these are, I'm not talking to people who don't know Christ. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to others. And whether it's online communication or whether it's coffee talk we're grieving the Holy Spirit. It's almost like we don't think the Holy Spirit's real. Like he's not at lunch with us. Like he's not, he's not reading our texts. Like he doesn't hear the tone. Like he doesn't see the two-facedness. And then we come into, you know, worship services or prayer meetings and prophetic conferences and healing crusades. And we're, we're asking ourselves, man, where, where's the power? Oh, well, the power got forfeited over that gossip session that the three people on row number nine in the sanctuary had. Like, I'm just enough, I just believe enough that God takes his word so seriously that every, there can be fasting, there can be praying, there can be a, a righteous remnant seeking the face of the Lord and walking in holiness and integrity. But in the crowd, there might be a handful of people that have given themselves to an unbridled stream of controversy and failing to show kindness and courtesy, living with a raw, jagged, gossiping, um, controversial heart. And that'll quench the spirit in a meeting. There's going to be people that give answers for that. And the same people will walk out of that meeting and say, man, God wasn't even in that place today. Something must be going on at that church. And they have no idea that the problem is them. The problem is that the Lord can't bless where they are because they're carrying a hardened heart towards the Holy Spirit who has been repeatedly grieved and now quenched by them. I think it's worthy of our consideration. So what would I like to see? I would like to see in my own life a zero tolerance policy for speech that is not edifying. Um, I'm going to call out sin. I, I, we have accountability to each other that when we're in a fault, 
In a spirit of meekness, we confront and we seek to restore. It doesn't mean we turn into jellyfish, spineless creatures who never raise a red flag about anything and everything. We just try to keep happy and easy. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, if you're saved, you know when your speech falls beneath the dignity of what God created your tongue for. I'd even go so far as this, man. You know, people don't like this, but I don't care. Um, all the cursing and the profanity among Christians, what is that? You know that's sin, right? It's sin. And when, when we are using profane language, and don't get sophisticated thinking, well, who defines what is profanity and who doesn't? It's just sounds and blah, blah, blah. Man, try that in certain situations. Like go into your job in- interview and drop F-bombs. See how that works for you. You know, treat customers if you work in a place of retail. Treat customers with all sorts of vulgar language and see how long you work at that place. And yet we, you know, we, we want to use our mouths to bless the name of the Lord and sing those songs and preach those sermons. And then we're dropping four letter words. It grieves the Holy Spirit. We're moving into a time where he's going to require more of us. He's going to require more from us. He's not going to allow things that we've decided are fine. He's not going to allow them anymore. And so I want to encourage you, um, remain engaged for the glory of God. Be very, very careful how you're communicating, what you're saying, what you're posting, what you're sharing. The heart's very deceptive. Um, gossip and the spirit that is always attached to gossip and slander is always of Satan. I mean, his name indicates the adversary who accuses, you know, that's the devil. Satan is the devil. He's the adversary that accuses. And so when we're accusing and we're gossiping and we're slandering, we're actually fighting God because God is seeking to build up and to bring people into truth. And there's never been a righteous harvest out of a field of gossip and slander. And you're going to be accountable for it. You will give an account for every idle word. And the more you are using your communication, your mouth to express the good things of the kingdom, you're compromised if in that same 24-hour period where you're posting spiritual stuff or saying spiritual stuff or singing spiritual stuff or praying spiritual stuff, and then you turn right around, you know, when the light's not on you and you're operating in a way that is hateful and causing division. And, and, and what I love about Titus 3 is that like, it, literally, it literally says, show perfect courtesy toward all people. Like the Bible actually says, hey, here's the expectation of God. You need to be courteous towards people. So instead of me and you going out and try to change, um, you know, trying to bring thermonuclear revival to the Middle East, why don't we just start over crucifying our tongue all over again? Why don't we just start by today when this podcast ends in a minute and just say, God, I've done this. I don't want to do it anymore. I need you to help me because I've developed patterns of speech that I now realize grieve the Holy Spirit. I need you to clean up my mouth and I need you to give me the courage to exit conversations that are debilitating, that tear down, mock, or paint others in a negative light. And God, I need a Holy Spirit anointing to be courteous and kind and gentle. And friends, if we do that, I think the Holy Spirit goes immediately from being grieved 
to being deeply pleased. Because he says, that is a woman, that is a man, that is a child of God who is listening on the micro level and wants to please me in all things. And that's a life I can bless and anoint. We'll talk to you next time on Mavericks and Misfits. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. If you want more resources, visit transformingtruth.org. At transformingtruth.org, there's video, uh, 30-minute segments, hour-long segments, sermons from Antioch Outpost. Would love to hear from you on the podcast. If you've got feedback or ideas, um, uh, go ahead and email me at jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Um, would also appreciate if you could rate and review us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen. Um, takes you know just a minute or two of your time and leave us a good review and let people know about uh, how you've been helped by the podcast. And um, listen, um, let's do this together, okay? Let's crucify, put a nail in your tongue today, spiritually speaking. God help us, not physically, but spiritually speaking, put a nail in your tongue today. It's better to be quiet, if you must be, than to continue on in patterns of speech that you know grieve and quench the Holy Spirit. I want the flame to roar. I don't want the flame to dwindle. So Lord, help us to carry the oil that keeps the flame lit. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.